good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you are and whatever time it is. Welcome to Humans Leading Humans Towards a Future of Work That Works for People. A smorgasbord of snackable stories to help you be a more effective leader. My guest this week is John Hagel who spent years in Atari, 16 years as a partner in McKinsey and Co, and then headed up Deloitte's Center for the Edge. And now is a best-selling author, and he's recently published a new book, which is called The Journey Beyond Fear, which is enormously relevant to these times especially. It's all about courage and how to achieve our full, beautiful potential. It's about shifting your perspective about the enormous value that can be unlocked if you find your passion, if you take informed risks, if you seek challenges and opportunities for growth. It's well worth a read, by the way, and extremely aligned with the Beep way. So I'm looking forward to finding out which three create stories he will choose to share. But first, let me explain why I dedicate time to make this podcast for you with love. If you work for a company or an organization, if you lead a company or an organization, whether that be private or public, financial sector or technology or pharmaceutical or government, if you work with humans, if you're having to lead teams and you're finding it really tough to motivate them, uh, if you're fearful of empowering them, if you don't know how to unleash their full potential, bring on humans leading humans. This will become your audio fuel kit packed with the real leadership stories, tools and inspiration we all need to shine and succeed. It's for those times when you need to re-energize, to be inspired, to have an espresso shot of energy, to believe you can succeed because here's the thing, leaders across the world have succeeded. They have proved that you can get the best from people if you create environments that make people feel safe to take risks, to seek opportunities, to be courageous. So I'm on a quest to collect those stories to give you the courage and the know-how to lead more human. Before we continue, I just want to give a massive, massive thanks to all of those people who have mailed me and DM'd me on LinkedIn and used our contact form at www.wearebeep.com to tell me how much they are inspired and motivated by this weekly podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. It energizes me. I need your feedback, so please keep it coming. So next week's guest is my friend and my inspiration, Barack Berkowitz, who is a deep thinker 
with deep expertise and a real, genuine, imaginal leader. He's had a, a colorful journey at Apple, both in the Bay Area and in Japan, at Sony, at Fujifilm, at Polycom. He's CEO'd multiple times for multiple different companies and most recently headed up operations and strategy for MIT Media Lab. So he supports and has worked in and for all sorts of companies, startups and big corporations. His insights are priceless, I'm telling you. So I'm absolutely sure he'll bring some cracking, brilliant, pragmatic leadership tips on how to get the very, very, very best from people. Thinking about it, that's actually three Silicon Valley stars in the space of three weeks. It's just the way it's happened, folks. We won't always be in the Bay Area, I promise you. Um, but I can't keep you waiting for one more second. I want you to meet the amazing John Hagel. John Hagel, I can't even tell you how delighted I am to have you as my guest on Humans Leading Humans. And the reason that I invited you to join me is because every time I've met with you, every time I've seen you deliver a keynote, every time I've read your work, it makes me feel that there is validation for everything I believe to be true about the idea that actually if leaders get it right, we can create and nurture a future of work that works for people. So do you want to tell the people who are listening a little bit about what you've done? Obviously not who you are, because who you are is this extraordinary man, but what you've <laughs> done to get to here. Uh, sure, no, it's been a long journey. Um, about 41 years ago now, I moved to Silicon Valley and I have not uh, looked back. I'm still in Silicon Valley. I set up two uh, technology startups. I was a senior executive with Atari in the video game business, for those who can remember that far back. Spent 16 years as a partner with McKinsey and Company. Uh, I helped open their Silicon Valley office. I started a couple of practices for them, was the leader of their strategy practice. And then I also uh, was a partner at Deloitte for 13 years and came in to set up a new research center for them called the Center for the Edge and uh, I ran that for 13 years. And now I've retired from that and just about to publish a new book, my eighth book, and called The Journey Beyond Fear. And my hope and plan is to set up a new center based on of the book with programs to help people. And, and then when I met you, you were at Sense for the Edge. So your job over that time was to identify all of the new business opportunities, all of the really interesting stuff on the edge and make damn sure that the senior leadership of Deloitte were aware of that so that they could make sure they didn't miss all of the good stuff while they were doing business as usual. What a great job. <laughs> so much knowledge in your mind that I would love to. Anyway, anyway, let me stop gushing. For those of you who are listening to this for the first time, my challenge to my guests is I send them the CREATE framework and I ask them to think about three real stories from their careers 
of when there were leaders about how they have created environments in which humans thrive and how they've learned to be the person they are. So that being said, John, what's story number one? Uh, well, we'll go back quite a ways in time when I first uh, joined McKinsey and Company as a partner, a very new partner at McKinsey. Very early on in the first several weeks, I had a meeting with one of the largest clients of McKinsey and one of the senior executives there. And I was quite nervous about the meeting. It was one of my first meetings and first opportunity to demonstrate what I could do as a partner. And when we went into the office, the executive said, I have this really strong need and I want you to do a big project for me to address this need. And I was excited. I said, wow, that's great. Uh, we can certainly do that project for you. It was a very large project, a lot of revenue for McKinsey. And so I was excited. In the meeting, there was also another senior partner from McKinsey with me, who's kind of my mentor. And he invited me out to dinner after the meeting with the client. And at the dinner, his first question to me was, are you really sure that the client needs this project, that this is something that the client should be doing? And I stepped back and I said, well, no, actually it's not what, they, what the client needs, but the client's asking for it and maybe we should provide it. And the senior partner just said, looked at me and said, no, you have to be direct with the client and challenge the client if this is not what he really needs. And so long story short, the next day, we set up another meeting with the senior executive. I went in and said, no, this is not the, what you need. This is not a project that is going to be helpful to you. But here's something else that I think could be really very important and impactful to you. He was turned out deeply grateful that I had challenged him rather than being, you know, resentful, he was grateful and it helped me to build trust with, with this executive in a way that would have been much harder to do otherwise. And so one of the key lessons for me from all this was focus on building long-term trust rather than winning short-term revenue. If you just focus on short-term revenue, you're likely to erode trust versus build the trust. And and then a personal lesson for me was this notion of resisting, giving into the fear of loss of revenue. I was a new partner. I was really afraid that first meeting, if I turned that down, I would lose the revenue opportunity and that would be very bad for my reputation at McKinsey. And so just resist that fear, do what's right, build the trust, and you'll generate so much more revenue than you could imagine. So a lot of lessons learned there that were extremely valuable to me. And I think that many of the leaders who are listening to this will relate to that because so many times you're in a meeting and your gut is screaming at you. That's not the right thing to do. I'm <laughs> going to not say anything. I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I may upset them. And it never leads to anywhere good. It's yeah. so important, you know, we're experts. So trust that and actually challenge and say, no, are you sure that's right? And the other thing that really struck me from that story was the fact that you had a mentor who had your back. No, that made the dinner very positive for me was the sense that he wasn't challenging me just to put me down or criticize me. He was challenging me because he wanted me to be successful. And he really wanted me to do what was right to, to be successful. And so 
I was extremely grateful to him for that support. Even though it was challenging, it was a great support. It never quite feels nice, does it? Even when you've got a mentor, especially when you first meet them. So how do you think that he managed to make you feel okay that he was watching your back? It was just the way he presented himself and the notion that he was focusing on the positive of what we could accomplish if we really challenged the client versus, you know, just giving in and accepting whatever the client wanted. It was focusing on the opportunity that could be created by building deeper trust-based relationships. And that was exciting. And again, one of the things that you said is that you went into the meeting, you didn't go, I'm really not sure this is what we should be doing. What you, do, what you said was, I've got a better opportunity. It's like, don't bring me a problem, bring me a solution. And <laughs> therefore, of course, he then thinks that you're on his side. Great first story. Yeah. Story number two. Story number two. Again, still at McKinsey, I was there for quite a while, 16 years. This was actually about 10 years later. I was, I'd been there for quite a while. I began to see the emergence of the internet as a technology and began to see how, what kind of impact it was likely to have on business. And I started a new practice at McKinsey uh, called the Electronic Commerce Practice. And my mission was to persuade the partners of McKinsey to engage with clients around this emerging technology and the challenges it was going to create. I was initially very focused on how it was going to disrupt business and that our clients needed to be aware of that. And I got a lot of resistance from the partners. And I, I should say this is not just McKinsey partners. I've been with three consulting firms, and I believe this is true of partners in all the major professional service firms. They tend to be fairly risk averse in the sense that they've invested a lot of time building relationships with their clients, and they're very nervous about doing anything that would undermine those relationships. So God forbid they come to them with some new thing that the client hasn't even asked about, and it doesn't really work out, you know, their relationship could collapse. And so there was just a lot of fear on the part of the partners of, no, you know, until you can show me how this has been done with other companies, you know, I'm not going to be the guinea pig, the, the start of it. So I was uh, more and more frustrated. And I was, I was developing fear of my own that I was basically going to be viewed as some kind of troublemaker and, and not aligned with what the firm really wanted to do. But I got some advice, uh, again, from another senior partner, McKinsey, who suggested, well, you know, rather than trying to persuade the partners, why don't you write about this technology and the business implications of it and the opportunity and get the clients interested enough so they'll start calling McKinsey and want to get some work done by McKinsey on this, on this new thing. And so I ended up writing a book called Net Gain. It really resonated, hit home with a lot of senior executives. One of the lessons in this was initially I, when I was engaging with the partners, I was focused on the disruption effect of, of this new technology. In my book, I focused on the opportunity that they could em embrace with this new technology in terms of creating more value for their customers. And that really resonated with the executives. And they started calling McKinsey partners and saying, 
I read this book. I want you to come and help me do this. This is an interesting opportunity. And now the partners became much more willing to engage because the client was asking for it. It wasn't just the partner trying to persuade them that this was an interesting opportunity. I call it the power of pull, that rather than trying to push and get you know, people to do things by pushing them, it's creating the pull where they're motivated to act because they see the opportunity themselves. And so it was a major lesson learned there, for sure. So the people who are listening to this may have a truth that they can see, that their company cannot see, that their boss is not listening to, but they know it's an opportunity. What made you persevere with that knowledge that actually the internet was going to be a big thing? When actually the way that most people, many people might approach that is that they would just toe the line. Well, everyone else is doing this, so I'm going to do that because that's what the herd are doing. What made you persevere? You know, I think it's always been a key focus of mine is to focus not just on what's happening today, but looking ahead and trying to anticipate where this could go. What are the forces that are shaping up the development of markets and the economy and what are the opportunities that are being created. And so I was always motivated to look ahead, whereas I think many leaders, particularly in a world that's rapidly changing, there's a tendency to just focus on today, get through today, and somehow we'll make it through. But my belief, and certainly it's it's been a key theme of mine throughout my career, is look ahead, focus on opportunity and, you know, both anticipate it, but then it becomes a source of excitement in terms of motivating you to move in spite of fear. And one of the other things that really struck me about when you were talking is somebody within your organization said, go off and write a book. And that gives you the permission to go off and do a bunch of research. But I also know that in many companies, People would see that as being quite threatening. Why do you want to raise your brand? Why do you want to tell your story when it's not actually actively helping what we do right now? So why do you think that happened? And how did that feel for the company? Did that feel like something that was very was empowered? I have to say that when I embarked on that, there was a lot of ambivalence. I think the, uh, and again, it has to do with a focus on the short term which was, you know, if you're writing a book, you're taking time away from meeting with clients and you should be meeting with clients and generating more revenue today versus writing a book and maybe someday there'll be some more revenue. But no, so there, there was a lot of ambivalence from the broader partnership. I mean, again, I had one senior partner who was really recommending this to me, but the general partnership was saying, why is he taking all this time to write a book? Because that's quite courageous, because we all know, you know, consultancy is for every hour, every hour. (laughs) But you're going, no, I know that if I do this, it's going to help the company. So I wonder then, just to inspire people who are listening to this, who might be in the same situation going, oh, I know that there's a situation, but I don't know whether I can actually persuade my, you know, the powers that be, whether I can take time to do this. What was the impact of the work that you did? by writing that book and getting clients to come to you? 
No, it generated the fastest growing practice in McKinsey at the time because there was so much client interest and demand for this. It wasn't that partners had to spend a lot of time persuading clients. It was the clients were already persuaded. They just wanted to get the projects done. So it generated a significant amount of revenue very quickly and um, mission accomplished in terms of really having impact. The rest is history. But again, that's really courageous because many people would think, oh, I don't want to stick my head above the parapet. That's not really what we do. I might be wrong. <laughs> There's something about you, John, which is just like, no, I can see this. And I'm. How did you stop the bad feeling about you taking time out to do this? What did you do to make sure that it didn't become too scary? Well, frankly, I ended up spending nights and weekends on writing the book versus, you know, taking a lot of time from the day. I was still doing a lot of client work during the day, but using my spare time to really uh, make this happen. And it was because I had a, a real, you know, I call it the passion of the explorer, but a real passion for having more impact around something that was emerging and that was going to help significantly change the way business was done. So I was motivated to invest the time and effort, even if it meant nights and weekends. And we're talking to you people who are listening to this podcast. Just listen to what John just said. Sometimes it's worth taking your weekends and your evenings. If you know something to be true and you can see there's a possibility, sometimes just get out there and give some time to it, even though it might be a little bit hard work. That was brilliant and has made my brain fizz. Story number three. Story number three, I guess I'm going to go back a little further in time. Before I joined McKinsey, I was a senior executive with Atari in the video game business. I was the chief strategy officer of the company. I had come in because I saw the opportunity around home computers. They were just personal computers were just coming into the marketplace at the time. Atari had a home computer, was one of the first home computer businesses around, but their core of their business and what had made them successful and billion dollar company was the video game consoles. It was all about video games. That was the key to their success. And frankly, for many of the senior people at Atari, the, the home computer business was kind of a distraction. Why would we spend time on that? It's all about the video games that have made us successful. And I invested a lot of time and effort to try to persuade them to make more investment in the home computer business. But the lesson I learned there was that success breeds complacency, that if you're really successful, uh, you tend to become very complacent and you just want to keep doing what you've done in the past, because if you mess with success, you're likely to fail. And so you become more risk averse, frankly, if you're very successful. You just want to stay doing what you've been doing. You know, I was focused on numbers and showing the, the growth of the home computer business, which was growing dramatically. It was still much smaller than the video game business. But if you looked at the trend lines, you could see that over time, this was going to be a, a very big business. A key lesson for me in this was the notion that emotions are very central to are decisions. So you can provide all the numbers you want, but if you don't understand the emotions, this complacency and fear, and are able to change those emotions in some significant way, you're never going to make, make a difference. And so one of the things that I learned from that experience was 
I was focused on the present in terms of showing the growth of the computer business, home computer business at the time, month by month, week, year by year. But I wasn't focused enough on where this was all going and what the big opportunity could be 10 years from now to inspire and excite them to say there's a much bigger opportunity than even the video game business. And so using that to help, again, shift emotions and build more excitement and motivation to take risk was really something that I should have done more of. Yeah, because you are an extraordinary speaker, an extraordinary storyteller. And if anyone can make people excited and see a vision, you're that person. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your, because I know that you're in the middle of doing this big campaign about your new book. So thank you for taking time out. And before we leave, what we always do on Humans Leading Humans is to ask you what you think this particular episode should be called. Oh, my God. <laughs> the journey beyond fear. I don't know. It's a, <laughs> The journey um, beyond fear. Do you know what you said earlier? You said it's the journey of the explorer. Ah, there you go. In the book uh, that I'm writing, the, the key is the journey beyond fear has to do with cultivating what I call the passion of the explorer. If you have that passion, you will be so excited that you'll take whatever risks are necessary to achieve the opportunity. That's exciting you. So, yeah. So, the passion of the explorer, this episode shall be called, John. Thank you so, so, so much for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Excellent. Oh, it's a great experience. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. It is really interesting to hear the stories from inside the big consultancies. I've worked with BCG, but really interesting because McKinsey is one of those companies that you never really get a, a vision of what happens inside. So thank you so much for that. Best of luck with your new book. It really is brilliant. Guys listening, it's worth checking out. And also best of luck with your new center. I am 100% in agreement that it's needed more now than ever. Lovely listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you for dedicating your time to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. But, and you will know this by now, I believe that everything can be better always. And I need your feedback to keep improving. Plus which, it energizes me. So what did you love? What resonated with you? What could I do better? What do you want more of? Who do you think deserves to join our list of imaginal guests? So if you've got any comments or suggestions or feedback or even compliments, because I love those too, or of course a story that you think will inspire listeners in next week's episode, DM me on Twitter uh, at BeepMindShift or at Katsy or DM me on LinkedIn. Katz Keeley, of course, the links are below in the notes. Next week's guest is Barak Berkovitz, who promised to bring some warts and all stories of how he's managed to succeed as CEO and as advisor to CEO in so many different companies and different sorts of organizations. He is a brilliant thinker and a doer and a lovely man to boot and has so, so many leadership experiences we can all learn from. So I can't wait for that. 
You have been listening to Humans Leading Humans Towards a Future of Work That Works for People. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Marketing Society. And P.S., if you're a senior leader and if you happen to need the know-how and the network to succeed and you're not already a member, you should totally become part of that tribe. And a massive thanks to Superterrania for the magical sting of stings. Go to www.wearebeep.com to find out more about the CREATE framework and how we support companies by unlocking the problem-solving potential of humans. Thank you so much again for joining me. Please subscribe. The links are below. You don't want to miss any more of these wonderful stories and tips for leadership brilliance. Be inspired. Be imaginal. Be more human. Look forward to seeing you next week. Mm -hmm.